What is man that you are mindful of him? What are we that you are mindful of us? But you say concerning us that you have loved us with an everlasting love. And Father, we are grateful. Father, we are grateful. You looked at us and you chose us while we were yet sinners. And you said to us, you're my daughter, you're my son. And you have loved us and loved us. And when we've messed up, when we've missed away, you haven't given up on us. Father, we just want to say thank you. Because truly all our lives you have been faithful. You have been faithful. And Father, as we go into your word, Holy Spirit, we pray that you come and speak to us. We pray that you speak to us individually, that you speak to us collectively. That the word that you have for everyone today, that it would find good ground in our hearts. It would mix with faith. Understanding would come and we would go out and we will be doers of that word in the name of Jesus. Thank you for loving us, Father. We are grateful. We are grateful. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen, 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 and amen. Please be seated. So we're going to go into the word. Um, we've already given thanks over and over and over for the excellent conference, and we thank God for what he's done. And my prayer is that the restoration and the rebuilding that God has done in each of our lives, it would be permanent in the name of Jesus. And God would give us the grace to do what we need to do to maintain that restoration and rebuilding in Jesus' mighty name. Um, last week, Sunday, the focus was on restoration and rebuilding of marriages. And I really, really want to encourage that we revisit these messages. So they're on the church's podcast accounts. Just look for Amazing Grace Leicester. You'll find it there on the website. Let's be like the Berean Christians. Let's revisit it. For some of us, we need to listen to those things with our spouses and talk about some of those issues. Let us, let's not just hear and let it go. So I want to encourage us to do that. So today, by God's grace, we'll be looking into the area of restoration and rebuilding as it relates to our children, as it relates to our children. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit himself would speak to us as individuals concerning our particular homes, concerning our particular parenting styles, concerning our particular children in Jesus' mighty name. And you might be thinking, I don't have kids, I'm not married. It's really relevant for you as well. You know, we're all in one way or the other, a mentor or somebody that young people look up to. So the message is for all of us. Um, so please hear what God has to say to you. In Genesis 19, we read the story of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah in the entire chapter. But towards the end of the chapter, it focuses on Lot and his daughters. And I'm going to read from verse 30, Genesis 19 from verse 30. I believe I've got the NLT version here. Genesis 19, I'm reading from verse 30. It says, afterward, Lot left Zohar because he was afraid of the people there. And he went to live in a cave in the mountains with his two daughters. One day, the older daughter said to her sister, there are no men left anywhere in this entire area. So we can't get married like everyone else. And our father would soon be too old to have children. Come, let's get him drunk with wine. And then we will have sex with him. That way we will preserve our family line through our father. So that night they got him drunk with wine and the older daughter went in and had intercourse with her father. He was unaware of her lying down or getting up again. The next morning, the older daughter said to her younger sister, I had sex with our father last night. Let's get him drunk with wine again tonight and you go in and have sex with him. That way we'll preserve our family line through our father. So that night they got him drunk with wine again and the younger daughter went in and had intercourse with him. As before, he was unaware of her lying down or getting up again. 
As a result, both of Lot's daughters became pregnant by their own father. When the older daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Moab. He became the ancestor of the nation now known as the Moabites. When the younger daughter gave birth to a son, she named him Ben-Amin. He became the ancestor of the nation now known as the Amorites. So we read this tragic story, this tragic story. And the question that we should ask ourselves is, how is it possible that children that were raised by a righteous man, the Bible tells us in 2 Peter 2, 7, that Lot was a righteous man and that his heart was broken about the wickedness that surrounded him. So children raised by a righteous man in this righteous setting, in this home, how is it possible that when this situation came around and they saw a problem that needed a solution, this wicked plan is what came out naturally from them? And to answer that question, we need to look at the environment and the culture and the society that these children were raised in. We go to Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible tells us about Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 13, verses 12 and 13. I'm not going to read all the scriptures, but please write them down and revisit them. In Genesis 13, verses 12 to 13, the Bible tells us that Sodom and Gomorrah, the people that were there, that they were extremely wicked and they were continually sinning against God. If we read that Genesis 19, we get a feel for how these people were. When the angels were in the house of Lot, if you remember the story, they came and they wanted to have sex with the men. And they said to Lot, you know, send them out so that we can have sex with them. The Bible says both the young, the old, this was the culture, the environment these girls grew up in. But their father was a righteous man. Their father was a righteous man. And yet, when they were squeezed, you know when you're squeezed in life, it's not how things appear that comes out. It's what is truly on the inside of you. When you get to a situation in life, when you're squeezed, it's who you are that comes out. And when these girls saw a problem, they weren't trying to be wicked. They just saw a problem that needed a solution. There are no men around. Soon our father will be too old to have children. How are we going to continue our family lineage? And this was the plan that they came up with. Why? Because in that culture, that environment that they had grown up with, it had, it had set their values, their mindsets, their standards, their morals, their principles. What they had inside of them was not righteousness. It was Sodom and Gomorrah. Why does that matter to you and I? I'll ask you to just think for a minute about the environment that we find ourselves in. Think for a moment about the things that are celebrated in this environment, in this culture, in this society, in this world that we're in. Think about the things that 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, people have said this is madness, but now it's celebrated as the right thing, as the truth. That's the environment that we're living in. So how do we make sure that raising our children in this society, this environment, what determines their standards, their values, their morals, their principles is the Bible and not this culture. How do we do that? How do we make sure that our case and in Jesus' name, this would not be our portion, would not be like Lot and his daughters, that even though their father was a righteous man, the Bible says it, that's what God declares about him, his children, it wasn't righteousness on the inside of them. We have another example in scripture that we can look at in the case of Daniel and his friends. We look at Daniel chapter one, that's when we're introduced to Daniel and his friends. A lot of people were taken into captivity and the king says, go and bring me some of the noble men, the royal young guys. And they bring Daniel and his friends, just four of them. How is it that out of all the children, all the young people, only four were different? But the Bible tells us, first thing that happens to them, we see it in verse six. 
they change their names. They change their names. Why? They've come to this new culture, this new environment, this new society. And the first thing that they try and take away from them is their identity, because your name talks about who you are. Your name is how you see yourself. Your name is what people are constantly calling you. Your name is how people see you. So they look at Daniel and these three guys and everyone else, and they say, first of all, take away their identity. Before they were Jewish, they were Hebrew, they were of God. Now they're of Babylon, right? So they try to do that. But in spite of that, we see the response of these guys different. Now, I want to say to you that whether you believe it or not, whether you believe it or not, everything about the society, culture, environment is trying to strip your children and our young ones of their identity. The Bible talks about who we are, identity in Genesis 1. The Bible says we're God, made in God's image and likeness. The Bible says male and female, he made them. But everything is telling the children and the young ones, that is not who you are. That is not correct. Identity. A person who doesn't know who they are, a person who struggles with their identity would struggle in many areas in life. A person who doesn't know who they are, who God says that they are, they would struggle to fulfill the divine mandate on their life. They would struggle to fulfill purpose. And so there's an attack, a vicious attack on the identity of our children. And as parents, as um, mentors, as examples, as aunties, uncles to these young ones, we cannot afford to be passive about this. We cannot. We cannot afford to be passive. I pray that God would help us. So Daniel, they try and remove their identity. But the Bible tells us that in Daniel 1.8, Daniel 1.8, for those of us that know it in the KJV, it says, Daniel proposed in his heart. In NLT that I'm using to say, it says, but Daniel was, that I'm using today says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself. He made a strong decision. So this is about food, this bit, but it covered everything about Daniel and his friends. A strong decision. So why is it that when Daniel was squeezed, what came out of him was God? What came out of him was righteousness. What came out of him was a strong decision that I know who I am and I know whose I am. What was different between Daniel and Lot's daughters? Daniel had been raised, his values, his standards, his morals, it had been set based on scriptural principles, based on God. And so when everything came down and the storm came, the struggle came, they're now in captivity and they're given a choice of convenience, comfort, Daniel says no. I would not defile myself. Daniel is different. And you know, if you had Daniel and Lot's daughters next to each other, and you were just looking at the surface of things, they would look the same. If they were in children's church, they probably would all know the right scriptural answer that the teacher wants to hear. If they were talking of their parents, they would probably all say what the parents want to hear. But what was on the inside, very different. We remember the story in Matthew 7, when the wise man and the foolish man was, when they were building their houses, those houses from the outside looked probably identical. But when the storm came and started to shake things up, that's when you knew who had a foundation and who didn't. So today we need to ask ourselves, how can I as a parent, how can I as a mentor, how can I as someone that children look up to, make sure that these children, what's on the inside of them is God. How can we, God helping us, of course. And so we're just gonna look at a few ways that God can help us to do this. And I wanna say, especially to the parents, that there's a sense of urgency about this. There's a sense of urgency. You might think that your children are with you forever and all that, they're not. But also, even from a little young age, values are being set. And as they grow older, it's becoming more solidified and more solidified and more solidified. So for those who it's scriptural, for those who it's God, amazing. 
But for those who it's the things that they're seeing in their program and all that, that is anti-God. There's a problem and we need to make sure that we are awakened today so that there would be restoration, there would be rebuilding, there will be a realignment where things have gone wrong in Jesus' name. So how can we make sure, how can we make sure that what is setting their values and their standards and their principles are right? The first way is to set a strong, if you're writing, please underline strong, set a strong God culture around them. So there's the, there's the societal um, culture and values and all that, but around them, within your home, you want to set a strong God culture, strong God culture. How do we do this? It starts with the word and prayer, with the word and prayer. Deuteronomy 6, we all know this passage. Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 to 9. Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 to 9 says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands, wear them on your foreheads as reminders, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It sounds a bit like too much or excessive, but this is what needs to happen if we're going to have children like Daniel and not children like Lot's daughters, God forbid in Jesus' name. He says, repeat them over and over. You know, if the only time that we're talking about God, the only time we're sharing scripture with our children is when we're doing devotion at home, we're failing. Let's just be very real of ourselves. We are failing, right? If the only time our children are hearing about God is when they go to children's church, we're in trouble and we need to recover from being in trouble, okay? As you live life, he says, when you're on the road, when you're in the house, as you're waking up, as you're sleeping, as you live life, that's how you build the culture. You've gone and picked them up in school and your, your child is so upset. Some child did something to them. Talk to them about it. Bring God into it, right? Um, last week, my son was saying to me that, oh, they were discussing um, abortion in school. So I'm like, oh, really? And we talked about it. What did they say? What was the teacher's views? What's your view? What do you think? Why is that your view? Talk about these things with them. Bring God into it. That's fantastic. What does God say in the Bible? You know, from the first, um, from, the, from conception, God says it's, it's, it's a person, right? He or she is a person, that baby. God says to Jeremiah, talk to them, that before you were in your mother's womb, I had called you, right? So that's God. Even before the child shows up, God has a purpose, so that is why we don't think abortion is this and so on. If your child says that, actually, I don't think abortion is a big deal and all that, listen to them. Don't say, oh, you this, um, have you not been listening in church? <laughs> listen to them, you know, hear, hear them out, really hear them, and then discuss, bring in God as well. Sometimes you will not agree on issues, but bring in God. Something is happening inside of them, and the Holy Spirit will help us as well in Jesus' name really really important that's how we build up a god culture prayer we want to make it as natural as breathing something happens as you're going there looks like there's an accident and you say you know what let's pray for those guys tell one of your kids to pray don't just pray for them pray for them we need to absolutely pray for them but pray with them make it natural make it natural your something's going on with you at work tell your child tell them what's going on tell them to pray for you make it just you know this is just who we are this is the culture that we have in this home Set an example is another thing, and this is so key. 
Be authentic about your Christianity. Don't let your child think that the daddy or mommy that crosses over that door on Sunday is very different from the one at home. Your children, your life, who you are, it speaks more to them than anything that you say. So if who I am in church, who I am when I see Bumi in church and I'm like, bless you, bless you. If my son's looking and thinking, it's saying something to them, something very big. You know, I, I have a colleague, he's in his 50s, but he told me that when he was young, in his early teens and all that, he gave his life to Jesus, became born again. He's a Caucasian man. But he said everyone in his church that they were just hypocrites, that they were preaching one thing, doing another. Today, really sad, he's an atheist. But I pray that God would draw him back. Why? Because he was surrounded by things that were not authentic Christianity. I thank God for the home I grew up in. I thank God for the environment that I grew up in. When you talk about authentic Christianity, it was authentic. People lived what they said and people called each other out. I remember I grew up in a university environment, so everybody was um, academics and all that. But I remember there was a time where there was a problem with one department and they chucked so many people. Um, there was a particular lady, I remember she had given a testimony that thank God after 10 years, she's finally finishing uni. And then she later found out that they had chucked her. So it was really messy. And I never forgot, I was really young, but one of the elders in church got up in front of church. So everybody is sitting and everybody's like lecturers and all that because we're university environment. He got up, some of the, the HOD of that department was in our church, as in they were all there, the people that had done this thing. And he said, what they have done is wickedness. And he said it on the pulpit, calling each other out, authentic Christianity, authentic Christianity. So if what you're doing at home is not right, you need to fix it. Do not be the reason, God forbid, that your child is sitting there thinking this Christianity thing, it's all fake. God forbid, God would help us in Jesus' name. Don't be careless. You have to be intentional. Don't be careless about the word life, the prayer life at home. And as I say these things, I'm, I'm saying it, I'm talking to myself as well. God is talking to all of us. You cannot afford to be careless. The guys that are bringing all sorts of things into the cartoons of your children, into the programs that they're watching, into the adverts, into the music, they're not being careless. The enemy is being very strategic, an onslaught, aggressive. You cannot afford to be careless. I cannot afford to be careless. So let's be very intentional. In Judges 2.10, we see what happens when people are careless. Judges 2.10, Joshua is now dead. The generation of Joshua is dead. And the Bible says that when all that generation, Judges 2.10, had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know God, nor the works which he had done for Israel. This generation, they were very close to the generation that saw parting of the Red Sea, had manna, all that. But they didn't know God. Why? Because their parents had been careless because their parents had not been intentional. I pray that that would not be our portion in Jesus' name. Be a gatekeeper. Be a gatekeeper. That's another point. Really important. What programs are your children watching? What books are they reading? What games are they playing? What are they into? Be a gatekeeper. Um, from a really, really young age, what I did with our boys is nobody can download a game or, or take a game unless I check it out first. I am not a gamer by any means. I do not like games. I can spend three days, four days investigating a game. I will check reviews, their Christian review sites on all these games. I'll talk to other parents and say, um, does your kid play this? They'll say yes. And then I would say yes or no. And Inil would say, please, mom, please, mom. He'll mention everybody that's playing it. I'm your own gatekeeper, not everybody's. 
be a gatekeeper. What are they watching? What are they into? You know the programs that they do now? They're bringing all sorts of things into it. And you know what they're doing? They're desensitizing a generation. They're telling a generation that wrong is right and right is wrong. And if you as a parent, you're oblivious. You're oblivious. You don't know what's going on. And yet values are being set. Standards, principles are being set. The devil is trying to steal the hearts and minds of a generation. You have to be vigilant, be a gatekeeper, be a gatekeeper. What's going on in school? What are they being taught? What's happening there? Make sure that you find out, be proactive. If you can join the governing body of your school, join, be part of those that are influencing, not just your children, but a generation, okay? Let's be, let's be vigilant. Um, my son's school, I, I signed up as governor. I was a bit reluctant because I, I was like, how am I gonna fit it into everything else? But then in the end, I was like, if some things need to drop for this, this is important. But I thought it was interesting that um, th there were no fellow people of African descent there and all that. So it's an encouragement that let's get involved in these things. These are the people that influence what's going on. Okay, and God would help us. We, we cannot afford to be too busy. This is a divine responsibility that God has given us. I don't think there's any that's more important than this. Eli was a priest doing all that. He failed with his sons. When the God, God was going to describe, he said, the, the sins of Eli's sons and Eli will not be found guilty in Jesus' name. Next, we need to train our children. We need to train our children. Really, really important. Proverbs 22, 6 says, direct your children onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave it. We need to train our children. What does it mean to train a child? Training a child is not just talking at them in one direction and just talking, talking, talking. That's not training. Training is I'm teaching you. I teach you how to do something and then I give you space to do it. Sometimes we need to allow them to make their mistakes within the safety of our, that's training. But if I'm just talking at you, I never give you the space to do it. And I'm hoping that, you know, when you leave home, it will all work out okay. I'm not training you. We need to train them. How do I train my children, each individual child, I need to know them. I need to understand them. I need to know their personalities. I need to know their love languages. What says love to one might be totally different to another. What says love to one child is that mommy's spending time with me. Another one, what says love is that mom's bought me something. Different love languages and all that. So let's check out these. Let's inform ourselves. There are all these books on love languages and so on and personalities. Let's read them if we haven't. Um, I've, got, I've got a number of books if anyone wants them. Let's, let's inform ourselves so we can get this right. Because if you don't really know your child, you can't train them right. One child, you would, okay, um, I don't know, shout at them all week and it does nothing for them, right? Another child, you would just say one little word and that's it, the child has heard you. Now that kind of child, spanking, 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 there's no need. I mean, I was that kind of kid I said, once you just tell me one thing, I will cry and cry, but I've so heard you. So if you're punishing me all day, it's not the right way to train me. But there's some other people that are a bit different, you know? So you need to understand each of your children. Some people grow up into adulthood and they have terrible anger issues, right? Terrible anger issues, and why? Because in childhood, nobody trained them. Nobody trained them that the world does not revolve around you. Nobody trained them until they grow up and they grow up into versions of themselves that they shouldn't be. Some people grow up into adulthood and they don't know about boundaries because they're such nice people. They're saying yes to everything. Things that they should be saying because nobody trained them that yes, it's nice to help, but there have to be boundaries and priorities. 
People grow up and they're selfish human beings. Why? Because in childhood, the signs were there, but nobody took the time to train them that, look, this is not how, how, how to be. They're people that can't make decisions themselves. So as long as they're at home, these children are fine. But when they get to university and the parents that was making all the decisions for them is no longer there, it becomes dangerous. Because if they hook up with somebody who's not godly, that child is in trouble. So we need to train our children how to make decisions by themselves. And remember, training is not just telling me. Training is telling me and then giving me the space to do. I might make mistakes, but still it's in the safety of your home. Train them, train them, train them. God would help us in Jesus' name. So all of this is helping to build the right values in them, a strong sense of identity. And it's really, really key. Last week, we talked about communication. Communication is crucial. Make sure that the lines of communication between your children and yourself wide open. You know, Omar was saying that her dad said, if you kill somebody outside, just come home and we'll talk about it. But make sure that your child can tell you about anything and make sure that the way that you respond, your body language, everything about you continues to say that. Otherwise, the child might stop coming. You know, um, sometimes I ask this question that if your child, you know, suddenly because of everything that's around believes there's no God, would your child be able to come to you and say, mom, I'm not sure there's a God or dad, I'm not sure there's a God. Or would they just be thinking about it and mulling over it inside them and feel I can't tell mom or dad? Or if your child feels, oh, I'm struggling with my sexuality because that's what's out there. Would your child be able to come and have that discussion with you? I tell, I tell our boys that you can tell me anything. You can talk to me about anything. And when they come, listen to them without judgment and then bring in biblical perspectives. You want the lines of communication to be so open because if your child is not talking to you when they need to talk to someone, they will talk to someone and God forbid that they talk to the wrong people. Um, there's a story of the girl who was, grew up in a Christian setting and all that, struggling with her sexuality, but she felt she couldn't talk to anyone in her family, anyone in her church, because she felt that there would be judgment. And the person that she spoke to out there was not Christian, no Christian values and all that. And that's how she got into that whole lifestyle as a, as a teenager, because there was no one to talk to. God would help us. In normal and natural ways, you know, no pressure. Don't sit them down like, you know, today we're going to do a lecture on today's topic is sexuality. And you're going to listen to me and hear me out. <laughs> and you're just talking at them. No. In just normal, natural ways, as you're just doing life, bring in conversations. There's something on the news. Talk about it and let it lead to other stuff. Bring in biblical perspectives. Find out what they're thinking. Be very proactive about finding out what's happening in their world, what's happening in the world around us, what's happening in school, and God would help us. And all of this means that we must be well informed ourselves. So we cannot afford to just sit in a little bubble and, you know, just fingers crossed, everything is going to work out well. It doesn't happen like that. Remember Lot's daughters. By God's grace, that will not be our portion in Jesus' name. We need to also tell them, like we saw in Sunday school today, and it's one of the reasons why they say a lot of um, children would grow up and leave Christianity. We need to tell them the truth. You know, in Sunday school today, we're looking at trials of our faith. We need to tell them that, yes, following Jesus, it's, been, it's like being in an army. There'll be tough times. You might not be popular in school because you love Jesus. Some people might reject you because you love Jesus. If we tell them that it's all going to be honky-dory and then they get to school and they're, you know, somebody's um, bullying them or doing something that's not right to them because of their faith, then it doesn't marry up with what you've been teaching them. So let's tell them the truth, scripture, but God is with us. Jesus is with us. He's guiding us. He's protecting us. And God would help us in Jesus' name.
So don't shy away from those topics that your own mom and dad did not discuss with you. Some of these things, they didn't exist then, okay? But they're out there, they're all over the place. So you need to make sure that you're discussing these things with your kids, why? Because you can bring in biblical perspectives. There's some things that you don't want it to be outside that your child comes across it for the first time. Let it be with you in a loving environment, you bring in biblical perspectives. And so when they're hearing these things, seeing these things outside, it doesn't shock them, but they have a biblical perspective about it. That's how we're building up those principles, those values, and God would help us in Jesus' name. God would help us in Jesus' name. And also recognize that you're not alone in this journey. It's not just about you or you and your husband. God has put us together, for instance, as a church family to help each other. God will put, bring others into your life to help you on this parenting journey. But it's, it's important that you recognize who those allies are and that you work with them. Greatest allies, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that can wake you up in the middle of the night and say you need to go into your child's room. And you get there and you see what's up and you're able to realign and fix that issue. Um, I know examples where that has happened. The Holy Spirit is the one that can lay on your heart what you need to be focusing on. For a long time, I just had this big burden um, for one of our kids just to pray about his friends, just the people surrounding him, his friends, his friends. And he wouldn't go away, shared it with my mom as well to please pray along. And, you know, so I started praying about his friends. Um, so I know his friends and all that. But I, it was such a burden. And, you know, very soon um, in that period, God kind of brought two friends into his life that he bodied up with, with his other friends, um, Christians. And some of you know one of them um, who, who comes to church sometimes before COVID. And it was just amazing. But I felt that at that time, that's what I needed to focus on. So I could have been focusing on something totally different because I didn't know. But the Holy Spirit knows for each child what's up. The Holy Spirit can just give you a word that you need to be declaring over a particular child or all your children. So the Holy Spirit's our greatest ally. You need to stay connected with him. God will bring other people. You need to recognize those allies. It could be that for one of your children, an ally is an older child in church who loves God, and you need to be intentional about finding ways to expose your children to these allies. Other allies, children's church, um, godly clubs like um, Boys Brigade, Girls Brigade, things like that. We need to be sensitive. We need to be sensitive so that we align ourselves with these allies. And I pray that God would help us as we round up. I pray that God would help us that in this area, which is so key, so important, none of us would miss it in Jesus' name. I want to end by telling us that there's a sense of urgency about this. There's a sense of urgency. Exodus 3 tells us that there's a time for everything. Everything has its season. Um, Jesus was talking in John 9, 4, and he said, I must work the works of him who sent me, John 9, 4, while it is day, because night is coming when no man can work. In your parenting, and it's, it's, just, it's just the reality of life, night is coming when it's too late to try and be doing all this training and influencing and all that. It has to be now. It has to be now. There's a sense of urgency. So if you need to reschedule things in your life, if you need to change how your life is so that you have time to do these things, please do it. Nothing is more important. Your career is not more important. Nothing is more important. And my prayer is that even as we play our part, that it's like gathering the wood, it's like gathering everything together that needs to be gathered for a great fire. And I pray that as we gather, as we do the things that we're supposed to do, that the Holy Spirit himself will come and set a fire in these children for him in the name of Jesus. That these children, they will put their hands on the plow and they would never look back in the name of Jesus. They will fulfill God's purpose for them. So we're just gonna pray. 
And I just want you to take a minute to pray for your children and to use them as a contact point for other young people. Pray for your children, that your children, that if there's anything that is not right right now, that there will be a restoration, there will be a rebuilding, there will be a realignment with the will and purposes of God. And pray for them that there would come a time in their lives, if it hasn't come already, while they're still young, that God would set them ablaze on fire for him in the name of Jesus. That these children, that they will be children after God's own heart, grow up to be men and women after God's own heart, that they would follow him with a passion, that they would be used by God mightily, that the world would not have them, that they would not be filled of unrighteousness like the daughters of Lot, but they will be like Daniels in their generation, a children, a generation that proposes in their heart that they would do God's will, that they would go God's way, that they would fear God, that they would love God. And pray for yourself and use yourself as a contact point for other parents, that we would not fail God in the name of Jesus. The Bible says that these children, they're God's heritage. God has given us his heritage to look after, to train, to care. Pray and say, Father, may I not fail you. May I not fail these children in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And so shall it be, because in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you.